experienced in these blackouts, blackouts, stretches of time that you can't account for. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your co-captain speaking, Jose Valle Jr., joined by my brave and bold co-captain, Mason D. Schrader. Welcome back, Mason. Hello. The D stands for danger. Yeah, it does, actually. That's... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm going to let Sorry, the pod dog my, out. That's right. my stomach. Well, anyway, Mason, I haven't spoken to you <laughs> since last year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but anyway, how were the holidays? Uh, they're all right. They're good. I mean, you know. Because uh, for the listeners, we recorded our creepypasta right before Christmas, I believe. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like yes. a couple days beforehand. Right. Um, and uh, I listened to it, and yeah, I was pretty sick. I was pretty sick in yeah. that episode. You were sick. Um, yeah, man. But it was, if you haven't listened to it, go give it a listen, because I think that is some of the hardest I have laughed recently yeah because we had <laughs> the resurgence of a very bad creepy pasta which had shown yeah. up before make um, you want to reach over to the bottle of jack on your nightstand yeah and ever since i now keep a bottle of jack on my nightstand just to yeah remember, well i mean you know. uh, yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah. and to forget right <laughs> yeah i feel the empty space next to me you yeah know? yeah i remember yeah i remember what i forgot <laughs> right well, anyway, I hope you had a fantastic time with your family, Mason, because yeah. today's episode is sure to make you want to tell your loved ones how much you care for them. Because today, Mason, we're taking a look at the very tragic tale of the Robeson family murders. And that's not a typo. That was their last name. And I can't tell you how often I wrote Robinson, yeah. and I had to change it because it's... I- Rob- I just read it as Robinson. I think it's Robinson instead of Robinson. You know what I mean? I just uh, yeah, I just read it as Robinson and assumed that some sort of like robot, yeah, space yeah. age robot was gonna murder him. Is that a reference anybody gets? The Robinsons were they made a cartoon when I was a kid, like a movie, but I don't think anyone watched it. Meet the Robinson Robinsons. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite Disney movie. Is it really? Yeah. The like kid's Dis- like a little genius, like right? Like Disney animation? Yeah, Cornelius. They got, they got like robots and there's yeah, like a, it's, it's there's like a T-Rex? Shit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that the was time the time-traveling one, yeah. And the, the bowler so hat? So they got yeah. killed by a robot. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right, fuck you, Jose. <laughs> Let's read this fucking story. Jesus well, anyway, Christ. So the Robinson family murders were uh, a family of six who were murdered in cold blood while vacationing in their summer home, whose case has officially never been solved and remains open to this day so pack your swim trunks mason and your okay. sunscreen because we're taking it. a trip to the lake house oh well it's it's cold in the midwest right now so if it's a midwest lake it's you don't want to bring swim trunks you want to bring like a lot of layers but we're also traveling back in time to when it was summer so oh hell yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so Let's punch it. we were trying different things, and we were smoking funny things, 
Making love by the beach to my favorite song. It was the summer of 1968. Planet of the Apes and Rosemary's Baby were fascinating and terrifying audiences in theaters across the country. Let's not forget Roman Polanski is a pedophile. I just had this discussion last night with some friends. I just feel like too many people forget that. But let's not forget that. Jesus uh, yeah, Christ. never forget. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy were assassinated and Richard Nixon was elected the 37th president of the United States of America. Yeah, all had really good lasting effects on the state of our country, too. Yeah. Yep. And this is where we would, like, insert a video of RFK Jr. doing the push-ups or whatever and being like, Oh, yeah. I'm God. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the next I president. Was, I was going to say um, just a picture of uh, police beating up... Um, uh, protesting black people this the exact same way they used to do in the 60s that they still do uh, now. Yeah, I saw a really funny thing. Yours was, was more fun. RFK is a silly guy. <laughs> he is silly. Um, yeah. Anyway, and also in 1968, a Detroit advertising executive and owner of the Impresario magazine by the name of Richard Robison was taking his family away from the blistering heat of the city to their summer home in Goodhart, Michigan. The home. Man, Kid Rock was a good song to choose because that's that, Michigan's his thing, man. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Not a big Kid Rock guy. Um, I just remember Kid Rock doing mean tweets, and somebody was like, "Kid Rock probably smells like piss and cigarettes," and I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. The home. Tell him Grandpa's angry. Uh, the home. <laughs> named Somerset by its builder, sat on the shore of Lake Michigan, amongst a community of neighboring cabins in the resort of Blisswood. The family, consisting of Richard, 42, his wife, Shirley, 40, their sons, Richard Jr., 19, Gary, 16, Randall, 12, and daughter, Susan, 7, were planning on staying at their summer home for a short time before taking a trip to Kentucky and Florida to look at some property. I know that this guy was rich, yeah. even considering, yeah. like, the time. But fuck you for having a home and a lake home and, like, six kids. And then being like, we're going to take a trip away from our lake home yes. to go look at property in Kentucky and Florida. It was a, It yeah. is a really interesting thing, because obviously it's a tragic thing, but it is also like, they were rich, you know? I, yeah. 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 Anyway, after arriving at their lake house, Dick visited the caretaker to the property, Chauncey Bliss, who had actually built the cabins and remained on site to help with upkeep, to pay his condolences after uh, Bliss's son had passed away in a motorcycle accident. How nice of you. Oh, your son died. Have a job. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is. I, I thought that was a really interesting thing. I think just Bliss didn't want to pay anyone to be caretaker. So he was like, I'll just do it. Because he built, like, the resort was, like, his, I think. Like, he had, like, it was a resort in the loosest term. It was just a bunch of cabins, basically. And okay. he had, like, built them and then, like, stayed to be the caretaker. Probably to fill up his time or probably because he didn't want to hire someone else to do it. Gotcha. Fair enough. Um, Bliss would later recount that Dick left behind $20 for flowers, which is $20 in 1968. I don't know the exact conversion, but it was a lot, I think. That's like, I mean, like $20 now will get you like a decent bouquet of flowers. Yeah. You know what I mean? At like a grocery store in the Midwest. Right. So I keep forgetting that like my version of, of money is like 
the opposite of a rich person's yeah where someone's like how much does milk cost and i'm like you know like five bucks mm-hmm. and then people in big cities are like no stupid it's like eight to ten dollars yeah. i'm like well i don't you know yeah. yeah he would also visit bliss's parents to offer his condolences to them as well revealing that his family would be gone for some time and planned on returning to the cabin on july 8th a fact that was reiterated by the note left on the door of their home this is like when people used to do that yeah. Like well, yeah. Would, there's no. You can't text anybody. Yeah. You'd be like, gone fishing, or yeah. something. Yeah. You'd have to go to someone's house to tell them things. What a nightmare. Yeah. God. Just so everybody knows, Jesus, walking. No thanks. That yeah. would be the last time Dick or any of his family members would be seen alive. Life went on in the resort until some ladies having a bridge game at a nearby cabin called Bliss to complain of a foul, rotten smell coming from the cabin occupied by the Robisons. Bliss had actually noted this, has, had noticed the smell himself not too long before that as well. Uh, he had also noticed what looked like bullet holes in the windows, but had chalked it up to a raccoon dead in the crawl space and the boys firing pellet guns. As he approached the cabin, he thought that maybe he had been right about the raccoon and would have to remove it. He knocked on the door, but no one answered, which he thought odd since it was July 22nd, a full 14 days after the family would have returned. So, he unlocked the door and stepped inside. Immediately, he was met with a grisly scene. The body of a woman... It was a bear, not a raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) Cocaine bear. Got one one in there before... Right before uh, it, too. Yeah, Uh, that was right at the deadline. The body of a woman lay in the entryway of the home. Her clothes ruffled and behind her, he could see more bodies lying in pools of congealed blood. He left the home quickly, in a panic, and called the authorities. When police arrived, they would find five more bodies in the house, all in various stages of decomposition brought about by the hot summer temperatures. Bliss would later recount... We were trying different things. (laughs) We were smoking funny things. Bliss would later recount that when he approached the home, the windows had been drawn closed, the front door had been locked, and the side door was locked with a padlock. Police were puzzled to find only one suitcase packed despite the family planning a trip. There was plenty of food left in the home, and playing cards were laid out on the table. As previously mentioned, bullet holes were found in the windows leading to the home's living room. It was then... Was it... Which, could you tell... I mean, is this going to come in later, or could you tell which way the bullets... Uh, it wasn't brought up. Innies or um, outies? But I'm assuming they could tell it was from the outside in. But it wasn't brought up. Okay. It's, it, but it, it, that's what it was? Is it was yeah. mm-hmm. that's from the yeah. outside in? Okay. It was then that investigators began to piece together the events of the family's murders as they found the bodies. It was believed that the killing started when five shots were fired through the rear windows at Dick, who was hit in the chest with one of the bullets, which came from a twenty-two caliber rifle. The killer then made their way inside the home and using a twenty-five pistol went after the rest of the family. Shirley was shot once in the head, a twenty-five caliber slug found in her skull. She was covered with a blanket from head, from her head to her knees. She was found lying in the southeast corner of the living room. Young Richard was found in the northwest bedroom of the home, his legs extended out into the hallway. He had multiple gunshot wounds to the head, linked to the twenty-five caliber slugs. Gary was found lying on his back along the east wall of the northwest bedroom of the home. He had two gunshot wounds to the head linked to the twenty-five, and a shot from the back that seemed to have come from the twenty-two. Randall was found lying on top of his father, a lavender rug covering his shoulders down to his buttocks. 
He had a bullet wound to the head, but no slug was recovered. Dick was underneath Gary, lying on top of the hot air register. He was shot once in the head with a twenty-five. He also had skull fractures and evidence of blunt force trauma. And finally, little Susan was found lying on her back in the hallway at the side of her father. She had been shot in the face. A twenty-five caliber slug was recovered from her clothing. She also had a skull fracture, most likely from the claw hammer found on the scene. And I've included a picture here, Mason, for you of the layout of how the bodies were found. So in the bottom yeah. right corner, that that right there is is uh, Susan's body that was covered with a blanket from where the front door of the home was. I uh, see. I'm only seeing. It looks like it's cutting off the living room. No, no, no. That's the entire thing. So you see where that like door is. Kind of thing that oh like, that just kind of amorphous blob yeah it's supposed to be like the, the body yeah the body covered That's, by them. okay gotcha. and then and then you go okay. in you take a right and in the hallway are three bodies yeah and then um one of them one of those bodies is the girl the other one is the yeah. boy and the father yeah and then in the bedroom and the entry to the bedroom is the other one and then in the furthest back is the last one gotcha okay yeah so. <clears throat> investigators believe that the killer shot through the window and hit Dick and one of the boys, most likely killing them or incapacitating them. Um, before he moved into the home and chased down the remaining family members, killing them one by one. They then closed the windows, turned up the heat, and tried to cover the bullet holes in some of the windows with cardboard. Since so much time had passed since they were killed, moving the bodies into the morgue was not an option, and their autopsies were instead done at Emmett County Fairgrounds. Another thing to note was that the investigators believed Shirley's body was staged to lead investigators to believe the crime was part of a sexual attack, although no evidence was found that that was the case. Bloody footprints were left on the floor, and that led investigators to conclude that the crime had been carried out by a sole perpetrator. Um... Which is an interesting thing, that whoever did this seemed to have enough uh, understanding or thought process to be like, I'm going to stage this body to lead him in a different direction so they can't solve it as easily. They also turned right. up the heat to speed up decomposition of the body so they would be less okay. uh, identifiable because the summer heat itself obviously would decompose them, but not enough as if they had turned up the heat and then... Um, Bliss uh, actually f uh, found the uh, front door locked and a side door uh, locked with a padlock as well. Okay. Um, um, just for my own revisiting here, he was an advertising executive mm -hmm. in for... Detroit for his own company. Right. And then he also oh, had a magazine called Im Impresario, which I don't know what the magazine was about. I'm assuming it was something to do with like entrepreneurship business kind of stuff is that is that italian i assume i th it seems like it, it seems like okay. it's italian or um yeah i mean for me it seemed like it was italian or spanish but if you don't i mean I, you know spanish so it probably i think it bad. is uh um it is italian um so this it was, was a mob hit open it, and shut case <laughs> it was a magazine for the arts and leisure mob um hit. He was laundering money for the Italian mob. Damn it. You read the story. Nope. I'm just that smart. Well, investigators believe the primary target of the killing had been Dick. So they got to work Dick. determining... 
Sorry. Uh, yeah, I know. I was like, I'm actually surprised at myself that I haven't laughed yet. Um, but I, I, he was referred to as Dick in, in, in all the research. And also, it distinguishes him from Richard, who had the same name as him, the, young, the son. Right. Yes, yes. Dick and Dick Jr. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Dick and Dick Jr., for sure. Investigators believe the primary target of the killing had been Dick. So, they got to work determining who would want to harm Richard Robison. 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 As they investigated Dick's personal (laughs) and business life, Mm -hmm. they came across an interesting find. While Dick was in good heart, he had left his business in the hands of 30-year-old Joseph Scolaro III, an employee. Italian. It was. uh, Um, I'm going to go ahead and make a quick disclaimer to all the audience. I know that not all Italian people are mob members. Well, that's not what you were saying before we started recording. (laughs) I... I don't look I'm gonna make jokes about Italian people that's all that's and I'm sorry and I'm sorry but I don't know now I feel like I shouldn't we'll see how it rolls I don't know what I'm gonna do well anyway Joseph Scolaro III was an employee who investigators discovered was embezzling money from the business the amount that he had embezzled was $60,000 at the time which would be closer to $140,358 by today's money Damn. And it seems that Dick had discovered Joseph's dirty little secret after having a conversation with his banker the morning of his murder and finding out that he was missing a lot of money. He then called his office and demanded to speak with Joseph. This would all be recounted by a receptionist who said that after some shouting took place, Joseph hung up the phone and left the Southfield office around 10.30 a.m., not being seen again until around 11 p.m. when he finally returned home with no explanation to his wife about his whereabouts that day. Now, Jose, you said this case was unsolved. And I'll get to that. But this seems... Pretty solved. Pretty solid. And we're going to get into that. he was the murderer. And we're going to get into that. You see, Joseph would be unable to come up with an alibi for his whereabouts the day of the murders. And to further drive the nail into the coffin, the bullet casings found at the scene of the crime perfectly matched weapons owned by Joseph. Now, Jose, (laughs) you said that this is unsolved, but it really seems pretty goddamn clear that we know who killed this family. If you listened, I said officially unsolved, which I will explain. You semantical bastard. Joseph would be un- uh, so so so. He was unable to come with a, uh, up with an alibi. I also forgot to mention this because you know they're iffy. But he took three lie detector tests and he was he failed t- two and one of them was inconclusive. But you know polygraph tests are yeah. wishy washy. I don't. So same trust thing with them. like handwriting yeah. experts. You know. Right. Um, as records indicated that he had purchased. Two 25 caliber Beretta automatic pistols and two uncommon Armalite AR-7 rifles. Though he uh-huh. claimed to police, he had given one of the pistols to Dick and sold both rifles. But investigators were tipped off about a private shooting range owned by Joseph's father-in-law, where they discovered AR-7 shell casings that perfectly matched those found at the scene of the crime. I understand that technically all of this evidence is still circumstantial, mm-hmm. but goddamn, are those some real suspicious circumstances? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, he's denying everything, uh, but he can't come up with a with a good enough alibi to explain the missing time, which is roughly yeah. 
over 12 hours or around 12 hours that he was gone of the day. Okay. So, despite all evidence brought forward by honestly impressive police work for once in one of these cases, Emmett County prosecutors refused to bring forth charges. Donald Nogle, the county prosecutor at the time, was incredibly financially conservative, and he, along with the Emmett County Board of Commissioners, didn't want to saddle the county with the expenses that would be involved with a murder trial. They didn't, and this is, this is I'm paraphrasing one of the investigators in the case, but they basically said they didn't mind taking the summer money of people like the Robisons, but they sure as hell weren't going to pay any money to solve their debts. I don't understand what a DA does. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Well, they're the district attorney, meaning they're the attorney, the, the prosecutor, the lawyer for the entire district. They have it people seems, under them, right? It, it seems to me that their main, their number one priority is to charge cases mm -hmm. in which the state is accusing someone. Yeah. And if it's a murder of like an entire family, it kind of seems like, like that's like a, I don't know prosecutors, I, but that seems like a slam dunk, Jose. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? Is, um, I think we have this, this system obviously of, of checks and balances in place, right? And there has to be bureaucracy in order for us to to run as a country or whatever. But uh -huh. it's cases like this that make it so frustrating that we have these elected officials who are uh -huh. supposed to represent the people and keep the interest yeah. of the people in mind. Right. And they will do shit like this. A, a board of some fat cats can decide well we don't want to take money away from the county because maybe that money could right. be spent better and i'm just talking shit here but maybe that money could be better spent and you know they're not using it to better the community that you right. know that they're using it to get bonuses and shit well um, they might be bettering the community in a sense that it makes them more money but also but why would you not want to fucking solve murders that took just, place in your community to keep your community members safe. If there's a killer uh, actively out there, yeah, why would you not want to see that killer off the streets? Jose, you know I'm a patriot, right? <laughs> right. You right. know that America number one fan right here. Yeah, I, you've got that tattoo over your heart that says, God bless America. Yes. Mm -hmm. It seems, it seems, Jose, right. that if... A person or a board of people can decide not to prosecute a murder based on a financial reason right. that the system right. is, I'm going to say, a little broken. A little bit, right? Just a bit. Uh, anyway, so, so other people also believe that Nogle's hesitation came from the fact that he had no experience with murder cases and was not confident that he could land a conviction. And so for the next five years, authorities sat there with this clear I know it's circumstantial but honestly this clear evidence pointing to this guy mm -hmm. being fucking that the culprit a, a decent that that a that a, a DA with a little bit of murder experience probably could have done yeah and 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 for those 5 years they they pressed Emmett County to take action while Joseph took advantage uh and took the 
went to the press and controlled the narrative of the story. And he uh-huh. basically acted as this man who was being wrongfully accused of this and how right. he was shocked because they were his friends and he was grieving while also being angry. And um, uh, I have to hand it to him because, again, reading through this, for the time, I think this case showed me that we often think that police work is better now. Well, wink, wink. We often think that investigative work is better now because of technology. But honestly, at the time, the like uh, forensics involved in this case was very, very well done. And I think it just shows that the only thing that's helped is technology. But like police work can be good, right? Like investigative work can be good regardless of the time. And so it was refreshing to like run across one of these murder cases where like yeah. it wasn't incompetent assholes, but it was like people actually trying to like bring someone to justice and solve a murder for once. But then it's always funny how it works is that like, oh, the police were doing good, but now yeah. it's the prosecutors who are fucking it up, right? Yeah. Um, they were so like, don't worry, it's our turn to be incompetent assholes. Yeah. You guys got this. Um, so... Uh, But, Mason, good news. In 1972, a break came for investigators when Oakland County, the county in which Robison's business was based, decided to move forward with murder charges against Joseph because they actually had a very competent prosecutor who said, we got this guy, he killed them, let's get him. And so they moved to, to to charge him with murder. Nothing can go wrong, America works! Well... Somehow, mysteriously, Joseph caught wind of this, and that and these charges were America coming forward. America works, and he moved to throw a wrench in investigators' plans by just confessing. And then we went to jail forever, and he's in prison. Amazing podcast, Jose. Not quite. You see, in March of 1973, Joseph Scalaro III killed himself. But not because he got wind that he was going to trial for the murders? Yes. And again, okay. investigators in the case are like, um, they don't understand. They really don't know. One of the lead investigators like doesn't believe that anybody in his office would have tipped him off. Um, so th- he's unsure how, but he somehow caught wind of this and he felt the pressure boiling. And th- he saw this as his only way out. And so... He left a suicide note behind with a line referencing the Robison murders that read, P.S. I had nothing to do with the Robisons. I am a liar. (laughs) A cheat and a phony. But I am not a killer. I am scared and sick. Yeah, you got me. I'm a fucking liar. I'm a fucking cheat. I'm a fucking phony. I take candy from babies. I punch old ladies. Yeah, I do all that. It's, I'm a fucking scumbag, but I'm not a killer. It's interesting Except to that say, one time I did kill them. It's interesting <laughs> to be like, look, I didn't do any of this. Sure, I lie about things all the time. It's just the Tim Robinson thing of him being like, I'm not worried about it. I didn't do shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's so interesting to be like, yeah, like you said, to be like, hey, man, I'm a piece of shit. Sure. I didn't do this one thing, though. And it is, it's like the, it's, for me, it's always fascinating when, when criminals do this. Like, for instance, like with the Ted Bundy thing, right? How, like, mm-hmm. he just denied and denied that he forever, even though he was already in jail for it, that he yeah. wouldn't accept that he was like, I did it, right? Mm-hmm. Because he, like, yeah. wanted to preserve some 
image of himself and his family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the same thing with Joseph is that he was like, it all points towards me, but they're not going to get the satisfaction of me being like, yeah, I did it. And right. even to my dying breath, I will still deny, 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 you know? You know what? And this is oh, this is a kind of a side thing that I've been mad about that I've that Kim and I have been complaining yeah. about that I'm going to bring into this. Please, is we've got a thing where we're not allowed to prosecute dead people. I think we should be. Which Why is not? kind of fucking stupid, right? Because they have even less to lose. Right. You know what I mean? We're yeah. comfortable with possibly putting an innocent man to death for a crime he didn't commit, but we're fucking petrified of posthumously saying this guy was a criminal. Right. Why? 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 Right. There's no. There's no downside. What happens? A legacy is tarnished. Who fuck gives him. a fuck? <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. And I was. And I mean this when I say there's not a single person in this world who was so innocent and would get their name so tarnished and would be mad about it. No, Jose, you no, can't no, to yourself because even if you died and then you oh, yeah, got no, yeah. charged with a crime, you wouldn't give a shit. You'd be fucking dead, and I don't care what mm. you believe in, right? I don't right. care. I don't care what your theology well, is. But that poses the question: Do mortal convictions carry on to the afterlife? Are you chilling with Jesus, and then he reads the newspaper, and he's like? What the fuck? No, Jose. No. <laughs> do do he heaven? Do heaven cops who... show up and arrest you in heaven? <laughs> I don't think so, because from my understanding, is he knew whether you did it or not, Jose? True. So then that poses That's... a question: Should Jesus be canceled? Why? <laughs> No, Jose, no, but, uh, stop Fox Newsing me, you son of a bitch. I'm not saying to cancel Jesus. I'm saying we should be able to try dead people for crimes they may have committed. This just in, Mason Trader. We should cancel Jesus. God I'm gonna cliff fucking that. damn it. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. Um, I think, especially in cases like this, where it's, it's very clearly obvious that someone committed a crime, we should be able to just be like, they committed the crime, all the evidence points to it, post uh, uh, posthumously, they've been yes. convicted. Because Take them you, to a jury. Let a jury decide. Otherwise, there's so many cases that are left open, and right. we'll get into this at the end because right. the person died or whatever. You right. Know? Yes, and there's n there's nothing to lose. And honestly, fuck them. We if if we know that they did it, let's tarnish their fucking legacy. Fuck them. Yes. They shouldn't get to live. The rest That's of what I'm saying. In, in infamy is like, oh, they were a good person who just, you know, was accused of this thing. No, they fucking did it. Fuck them. Right. Yes. There's no downside. Yeah. The worst case scenario is a good person is dead and isn't remembered well. Right. Yeah. Who fucking cares? If they were that good of a person, they wouldn't be involved in some sort of murder trial anyway. Mm-hmm. I right? agree. I don't know. Am I being too rash? I just feel no, no, I agree. feels dumb. It does, yeah. It pisses me off so much that we're like, well, he's dead, we wouldn't... What if we... You can't speak ill of the dead. Uh, I will. Oh, yeah, no, that, I will that innocent, speak ill of the dead. I always that innocent speak man? Ill yeah, no, we I killed consistently. him. The fucking... Death's first touch came through this window. A bullet shattering the glass while shattering the peace of this tiny, idyllic community. The year was 1968. The event, the worst mass murder in Michigan's history. There were, of course, other theories that came uh, after the murders, such well, as... See, can I say, I just, mm -hmm. as soon as I read this, I assumed this was a family annihilation. 
Yeah. Right. You know. Um, yeah. And we will at some point cover some family annihilations. I've got some loaded up well, good. Uh, for us to cover. Um, but there were, of course, uh, theories that came about the murder, such as the belief that John Norman Collins, a convicted co-ed killer who was caught in 1970, uh, was involved in the Robison killings as he had supposedly roomed with Richard, the 19-year-old, during orientation at Eastern Michigan University because he they both attended the school at the same time and there was a rumor that they had roomed during the uh, orientation week. Uh, others believe that the caretaker, Chauncey Bliss, committed the killings, claiming that Bliss had felt slighted in the days after his son's death by Dick and thus decided to kill the family. But this seems to ignore the fact that one of the last things Dick did was offer his condolences and give him money to buy flowers for his son. Police and also, also they... never considered Bliss a suspect. Yeah, that's it's just ridiculous. that classic like mystery thing of like it was the caretaker, it was the gardener, yeah. it was the butler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was also wealthy. Let's not forget right. that. Yeah. Uh, there are also those that say it could have been a mafia hit, like you suggested, but there was no evidence that ever pointed uh, to Dick having some mob connections. But well, other there... than the fact that his magazine had an Italian name, exactly. But there actually was uh, investigators did discover uh, during their investigation that he was kind of in financial trouble. Aside from obviously the the embezzling happening, he was in financial trouble with some of his businesses, and he had been making some kind of shady deals that he hadn't told anyone about. That he sure. kept calling like good deals that were going to help him out, and. As far as I know, and there is a book on it. I'll have to read the book at some point. Maybe we'll revisit this case with like a further dive into it. Um, but as far as I know, from what I read, um, th- that didn't turn up any mob connections. But uh, perchance, um, I know that's one of the theories I've heard the most that it was a mob hit. But after doing this research, I don't. I don't think that uh, was the case. Um, there are a lot of people who argue that Joseph didn't kill the family because one of the biggest things they argue is that he just couldn't have made it to Goodhart and back in the time that he was supposedly missing for. Uh, but if you do a simple fucking Apple Maps search, it yeah. shows you that Detroit, where the office was, and Goodhart are about four hours away from each other, maybe four and a his, half hours. What was his un- How long was his unaccounted time? Around 12 hours. So that's, right. you know, cool. there and back he is could've... eight hours, which leaves him four hours to kill them and do all the shenanigans that happened in the home. He you know? had time to stop for snacks. He did. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure he was driving over, fucking ripping into a, a what are they beef called? Jerky's, a beef jerky. Slim Jim. Yeah, Slim Jim. You're like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to get there, I'm going to kill Dick so bad. You say fueled by anger, but I don't think this is anger. This seems like fear. Well, like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go to jail for embezzling. We'll get into that. I'm panicking. So, another thing um, that is interesting that I think is, I only saw one of my, my research um, sources talk about this, but I think it's an interesting thing, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, is that, let's, okay, it is Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. He went there to kill a, a Dick because he had been slighted by him. He shot yep. him through the window, and by all accounts, that first shot killed him. It seems like he right. only shot him in the head afterwards to be certain or out of, you know, spite. Mm-hmm. But why jump from one murder to six murders? You know, that's a very, yeah. that's a big leap. And that's, that's I mean, one thing that this source talked about that I was like, yeah. And, and again, the investigators have their own, um, 
uh, explanation that we'll dive into, but I think that is an interesting topic of discussion of like, I mean, is if it you're the, the type of person who is already going to have the wherewithal to right. turn the heat up to help decompo- decomposition and try to cover your track, you know what I, I to me, it yeah. seems like, I don't know. Well, that's and what I was also- going to say is, do you think it's, it's an action of like, like I said, anger or fear and then. They de- mm-hmm. they decide to do it out of emotion, or is it a calculation thing of like, well, if I kill one, there's potential witnesses. I might as which was something we've talked about. Which is again, I've always said is like, I know it's not cool to say, but like if you're gonna kill someone, you gotta kill everyone around to like cover I, it up, yeah. right? To me, um, it, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, is it is it emotion or is it calculation that you think drove to do all six in? In my opinion, it's anxiety. Okay. If you, so, as a person with anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. As a like, person who's killed six people. No, no, <laughs> no, no, but, no. I'm and, just and this is gonna this is gonna take a weird route, but just stick with me, right? Okay. Is as a person with anxiety, when like something bad happens, I'm immediately like, I gotta make a fucking plan. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's not a plan like. I'll do one thing and this is over. It's like, no, I got to think, you know, I'm thinking about every possible scenario that branches out of this, right? Mm -hmm. To me, it makes sense that like, oh, fuck, this is really bad. I can't just kill him. If I just kill him, they're going to find this evidence that we had this phone call and there was this, you know, in the, the embezzling. It has to go, it has to be more than that. If I kill the whole family, it's going to look like it was some sort of crime of passion, right? Right. If I do all this stuff, it's going to make things, and it is a crime of passion, but, but the, not uh, of... What I was going to say go is there's, also, there's a staging of the body, right? Like right. Of, yeah. Of, to of, me, of, this of, is... Uh, Shirley's body. This is, it's a mixture of just pure panic, mm-hmm. but not... not panic in the sense of just going wild. Panic in the sense of, I'm in trouble i have to find a way to get out of this and this is the best idea i can come up with you know i don't i'm trying to think of a good example of like if you've ever if you ever sent like an email that you shouldn't have sent or like you looped someone in that you shouldn't have and then you just have to immediately start doing you do a thing where you're like i'm fucked i gotta do damage control yes you know what i mean 100 it's basically that kind of thing yeah yeah Yeah, where it's like shit i just fucked up i got caught Mm -hmm. fucking up you don't just like I'm gonna go apologize to this person. It's gonna be over. It's like no. It's like I gotta fucking do this to this person. I gotta talk to this person. Yeah. That's what it is to me. Is fuck. I'm fucked up. The only way I'm getting out of this is if I kill Dick. But I can't just kill Dick because if I kill Dick, they're gonna find out it was me. They're gonna trace it back to me. Right. I have to throw them off of my scent, and by that I gotta kill his whole family. And if you're the type of person who's capable of like I'm in a bad situation, I need to kill a person. What's five more people? In, and this is the thing. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah, this is why I do think it's a bit of anger as well is because you have to remember Dick was bludgeoned after being shot mm. in the f- head. He was also bludgeoned with a claw hammer that they found on the scene. Now, the little girl was also bludgeoned, but I think this is what happened. I, yeah. I think he kills the he kills the, the son who's on top of him. Right. Mm-hmm. The little girl comes into the hall. She tries to is scared, gets in the way. He shoots her in the face. And when he goes to whack Dick, she's there. So she mm. gets whacked. And then he and then moves her out of the way, whack stick, you know. That's very that's even that seems more plausible. My because thought was she's just the like only one that got whacked. 
my thought was he was he after killing them all was like I'm gonna I gotta make this look like it was like a psychopath right yeah that yeah did it. yeah and true. then like but, and then hit her once and was just like like maybe hit she had dick the... and then hit her once and was like I don't, I don't I and I know that's a weird thing to think about someone who's capable of this but just him being like that you know this is I don't but like also, this also she had the worst one because she was shot in the face nobody else well, was shot I think. I think in you're right face. in that she probably like either surprised him or you know what I mean. I think that she I probably think, did something that made I think him, what like, happened react. is him and the her and the other boy, their dad gets shot. He goes down right, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the other the other one who was shot by the rifle was the one who was found in the bedroom. So whatever angle right. he shot, I think it hits Dick hits the other boy as well because he shot mm-hmm. five times with a rifle. Yeah. Then the t- the two littlest ones, which were the ones on top of of Dick come in mm-hmm. they're like on him like dad dad that's yeah, when he's yeah. coming and shooting everybody shoots mm-hmm. the one boy shoots the uh the the little girl and i yeah. also wonder if maybe this is probably dark and unnecessary but if you know like you're saying the same kind of situation where they're over the dad like you know like dad are you okay yeah. he shoots the one in the back of the head the other one looks up right as he moves yeah the you know what yes, i mean i think she just i think looks that's up yeah. right and yeah. then yeah yeah um, and again, I think it's so interesting to be like, well, why did he cover two of the bodies, but not all of them? But again, I think it goes with that thing you're saying of like, he's just doing shit to like throw them off. Yeah, just doing random just, shit. I'll yeah, cover this body, doing, body. I'll cover yes. that body. I'll turn up the heat. I'll do, you know, to right, just yeah. throw. Cause again, the posing Shirley's body to, to suggest it was a sexual attack, despite not actually, uh, right. Desecrating. No the evidence bodies. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Here's an interesting tidbit. Uh, so Michigan law actually does not permit an unsolved case to be officially closed. And this is why I talked about how it's officially unsolved. Because gotcha. for the last 50-ish years, the case has remained inactive. Because Michigan law does not allow a, a, an open case to be closed or, or, or you know, considered it moves to the inactive uh, okay. section. Where it's uh-huh. like they can still check in on it every once in a while, but it's not actively being investigated by the department. Right. Yeah. But to all those involved, and there was a forum not too long ago where uh, some of the lead detectives and, and all, and two authors uh, held like a public forum. Um, and they just reiterated that it was very clear what happened here. It was a case of fraud detection homicide which I've never heard of, but it's very interesting. It's when Mm -hmm. violence is spurred by a perpetrator getting caught and feeling trapped, causing an otherwise nonviolent person to become overwhelmingly deadly, which is what you suggested. Right. Over the sense of panic and anxiety of like, I'm caught, I need to do something, right? Like, and I understand every time that anything... I've never had anything this severe, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, a minor inconvenience and like, fuck, I should just kill myself. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. It's, like, it's that instant like, oh, fuck, there's nothing I can do. And then it's like, mm-hmm. shut up, stupid. Obviously, there's things you can do. You and know I what also, I mean? I also think this accounts for Joseph Scolaro, potentially a sleazy weasel of a man who yeah. never had a nonviolent past, though, being able to commit something yeah. so violent and heinous. Uh, because it's just this this thing that happens and um there's other cases too there's so many cases of what is often considered like passion crimes that i think could fit into this fraud detection homicide of like where someone is caught doing a thing so they have to kill this person or whatever right Um, yeah yeah it's um 
Yeah, and the the mm-hmm. other family members were just they were a part of it. They weren't they were collateral. You know what yeah. I mean? They were something that ne- they was a thing that needed to be done in order for him to get away with this. Yeah. And I think obviously him killing himself when the trial was moving forward is a pretty clear indicator that he was like again a minor inconvenience, you know what I mean? He's like, fuck, yeah. well, there's no one I can kill to get out of this situation except for me. Right. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. See, to me, Mason, it's pretty clear what happened here. Um, and I agree with investigators that Joseph Scalaro III stole from his employer, was caught, and in a state of panic and anger, drove to the summer home of the Robison family and killed them all in cold blood. Yep. Never tell your coworkers where you live. Yeah. That was another thing they said is like, that's why they also believed it was him because like the home was pretty deep within the woods and it's like, you would have had to have known where it was to be able to find it. And so the fact that he had been there multiple times before is what led investigators to be like, yeah, this guy did it because he would know how to get there. Right. Um, But it is, it is a, it is a very scary idea to just be chilling in the woods, which I love a Mm -hmm. good cabin trip and then getting shot up. Yeah. For anyone who catches like a someone else who's doing a crime, talk to a lawyer first. Yes. Before I was you say, attack I them, the talk to a lawyer first. Of the story is if you catch someone doing something bad, don't confront them. Go through the proper channels. It's better to let other people handle it than you yourself. It's- it's easier to do that now than it was back then, yeah. but we also didn't have a podcast back then. True. Send a text to yeah. a buddy. Be yeah. like, hey man, just caught so-and-so doing this, kind of fucked up, gonna go talk to him about it. And well, then you like at least thing, have, you know, yeah, you know it's like at least the thing you where, have that. It's like the thing we were talking about in the creepypasta, like if you're gonna honk at someone on a country road late at night or whatever, call someone so that they, yeah. in case you die, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that, Mason, we have reached the end of the show. Shall we wrap it up? If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other podcast directory. We'd love it if you left us a five-star review. You can support the show by going to patreon.com backslash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the lights on. You can also go over to TeePublic and shop our merch. Just click the link in the show notes. Remember, if you donate slash support us, it all goes towards improving the show and perhaps allowing us to do this full time. Mason, where can our fine listeners find you? You can follow me on Instagram at Mason Schrader or now. No, I'm sorry. You can follow me on Instagram at Mason SHR mm-hmm. and see all my art. And I would really appreciate it. And you can also find me on Blue Sky. Oh, at the new the new app. Uh, and you can find you can find me at scuzzard.bluesky.social. Okay, what's Blue Sky? It's the the guy that tw- made Twitter. He made a new one. Oh, awesome! Well, everyone, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at j.vi underscore junior, and the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Captain's Log Pod. You can also subscribe on YouTube to the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. And if you can't get enough of me, you can listen to my other podcast with friend of the log, Max Benyon, called Max and Jose Have Something to Say. Yeah. Uh, make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it. And if you'd like to share your opinion on this case or have some insight to share, please do so by writing to captainslogcast at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on any of our social media platforms. 
You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back, etc. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thank you to Carlos Rivera for composing our show's theme. With that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We will see you next week for another installment of Thrills or Kills, where we take a look at a horror or true crime or just generally spooky film and uh, have some good insights and laughs about it. Hey. I've been your co-captain Jose Valle Jr., joined by... Uh, co-captain Mason Post Malone Schrader. And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. Beep boop.